You're listening to the Unsunday Show. Leaving behind religious obligation to find a more authentic expression of Christ in us, this is the Unsunday Show. Hey friends, welcome back to the Unsunday Show with me, your host, Mike Adams. Sorry, it doesn't get any better than this. This is what you're stuck with until you uh, push stop, I guess. So hey, I wanted to, in this episode, follow up a little bit with what I talked about last episode as far as uh, the thing that we call church discipline. You know, we looked at Matthew chapter 18 last week and we drew some things out of it, talked a little bit about uh, some of what I'm thinking and going through concerning this idea of church discipline. I don't know where that term came from, but that's the term everybody uses. And Matthew 18, as far as the validity of looking at Matthew 18 and and saying, well, this belongs to the church, this belongs to the body of Christ, this belongs to the ecclesia that Jesus is building in the world, and we are responsible somehow to go through this process of Matthew 18. So I want to read it again here. Uh, Last time I read it in the NIV, and I mentioned not because I think the NIV is special, So just for a little bit of variation, uh, this time I want to read it from the ESV, not because I think ESV is anything special. So it says this, and I'm in Matthew 18, I'm going to read verses uh, 15 through 20. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. And again, that's Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20. Now, we kind of went through that a little bit last week. I gave you some of my initial thoughts on what was going on there. We talked a little bit how that Jesus' call here seems to be obedience, obeying Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15. And we talked about how that's old covenant. You know, that is a law from a covenant that is obsolete, the writer of Hebrews says. That really seems to be what Jesus is doing here in this text. He's He's reminding the disciples of Deuteronomy 19.15. So what I want to do next is I want to read again Deuteronomy 19.15 and see what it says. And I'm going to be reading verse 15 through 21 here in Deuteronomy 19. So we can just get it in a good context. It says this, One witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime or offense that they may have committed. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If a malicious witness takes the stand to accuse someone of a crime, the two people involved in the dispute must stand in the presence of the Lord before the priests and the judges who are in office at that time. The judges must make a thorough investigation, and if the witness proves to be a liar, giving false testimony against a fellow Israelite, then do to the false witness as that witness intended to do to the other party. 
You must purge the evil from among you. The rest of the people will hear of this and be afraid, and never again will such an evil thing be done among you. Show no pity. Life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. And again, that's Deuteronomy 19, verses 15 through 21. And that seems to be what Jesus is reminding the disciples to uh, be true to, to obey what's said there in Deuteronomy 19.15. You know, the new covenant didn't begin with the birth of Jesus. The new covenant began with the death of Jesus. And until that time, the people in Israel were under the old covenant. And so when Jesus was speaking these words, the old covenant was still in full force. It was about to end. It was, you know, as the, as the cross was drawing near, the death of Christ was drawing near, the Old Covenant was about to end at this time. But historically, those that heard Jesus say this were still under the Old Covenant, as was Jesus. We're told that Jesus was born of a woman, born under the law. And so Jesus himself was all about keeping the law of Moses. He didn't come to break the law. He didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. And he did it without sin. So it seems to me, again, that what we see here in Matthew is a call to obey Deuteronomy 19.15. Now, I have to ask the question, do I need to obey Deuteronomy 19.15? And do you have to obey Deuteronomy 19.15? Like I said, the old covenant ended. It ended abruptly at the death of Jesus, and the new covenant began just as abruptly at the death of Jesus, making the old covenant obsolete. The two have never overlapped. And this text is heavy in Old Covenant verbiage. We talked about that in the last episode. So it seems to me that this text is designed more for someone living under the law at the time of Jesus, someone living under the Old Covenant at the time of Jesus, as a, as a reminder of what Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse 15 and following uh, has to say. And again, it's heavy in Old, co- in old Covenant uh, verbiage. Old Covenant wording, and it's spoken to Jews who were living under the Old Covenant. Again, you can go back to last week's episode, push play, listen to that, and get a little bit more information on that. I don't want to rehash all of that. I just wanted to mention it again briefly. The second thing that I want to talk about in this episode is to simply ask the question, do we follow this process in Matthew 15 when we are doing what has been termed church discipline? And the answer is no, we don't. We don't go to someone privately, and sometimes we might, but then we don't take, you know, one or two witnesses with us and establish every word and then go right to the ecclesia, to the assembly. If this is the church here, then we don't take it right to the church. We can't. Why? Because there's a hierarchy established within the institutional church setting. There's a a top-down authority that's there that won't allow us to obey that top-down authority structure's in the way. I know of no one who has uh, tried to remain true in this church discipline process and not gone to the elders or the pastoral staff or somebody first because they have to. They're forced to by the structure. You couldn't just stand up in the church and say, hey, Joe over there has you know, been sinning, and you know, here's what it is, and I've talked to him, and I've taken some friends with me, and we've talked to him, and he's not listening. But that's what Matthew 15 says to do if that's uh, talking about the church as we know it today. But none of us does that. None of us can do it because the structure of most institutional church settings won't allow us to do that because of the authority, authority structure that's in place. And if you want to know more about authority structures and kind of where I'm at with that, again, you can go back and listen to a plethora of episodes here on the Unsunday Sunday show 
and find out, you know, what I think about top-down authority and what Jesus said about top-down authority. You know, it shall not be so among you, but you've got to be a servant. Again, I don't want to rehash all of that. This would be a really long podcast if I did that. But I just just encourage you to kind of go back through and peruse uh, previous episodes, if that's something you want to do, and get a take on top-down authority within the church. So the answer is no, we don't follow this. We can't follow this. The top-down authority that we have in place in most of our institutional church settings makes doing what Jesus said to do impossible. So none of us really does it. Third, and this is kind of speculation on my part, you know, this whole uh, discussion that Jesus had with his disciples and whoever else was with him at the time may have been in response to a question. It seems to kind of pop out of nowhere, and someone may have asked a question that never really got recorded. I mean, I don't know. You know, we don't know, but it's possible. If someone asked the question, hey, what do I do when, you know, this is coming up and I can't really do uh, what's what I'm told in the Old Covenant as far as, you know, taking care of the sin issue with someone, if they've sinned against me or if they've, you know, sinned in some other way and it's become a real problem and I, I can't really deal with it because Rome is here, Rome is in the way. And we talked about that a little bit in the last episode, how that the Jews were under Roman rule, and so they weren't free to do what Deuteronomy said. I mean, we just read it. Deuteronomy said, listen, if the guy turns out to be a liar, then let the innocent party do to the accused what the accused was going to do to the innocent party. I mean, that's wild. And then he said, you know, an, an eye for an eye, you know, arm for an arm, hand for a hand, however he worded it, you know, life for life, show no mercy. Well, the Jews couldn't do that because they were under Roman rule. And again, we talked more about that in the last episode, but I just want to mention it again, that Rome was kind of standing in the way from that happening. And so they couldn't really do that without Roman approval. And so someone may have asked the question here to Jesus, hey, what do I do? How do I, how do I get around this? How does this work now with Rome here? Well, Jesus, I believe, may be explaining this in a way that gives them, that gives them a way to address Deuteronomy 19 while under Roman rule. Remember, we talked about the ecclesia. Of course, we've got the word church here that's been inserted. Again, we talked about that in the last episode. But we've got the word church here that's been inserted, which really doesn't belong here. It's not church. It's ecclesia. It's the assembly. And we talked about how there are secular assemblies all around at that time in the culture. There were Roman uh, ecclesias. There were like city councils, town councils, government councils, etc. Jesus may be answering a question that was asked, hey, how do I do this in the interim? And saying, look, you can go to the ecclesia. You can tell it to the ecclesia if you need some kind of legal action done on it, if you need a decision done on it. That may have been part of what was going on here. But remember, with Rome in charge, the Jews could only follow Deuteronomy 19 so far and no farther. They couldn't put someone to death for bearing false witness. They couldn't put someone to death for not honoring their father and mother. They weren't able to do that. They had to okay that with Rome. They had to, they had to shuffle that through Rome. That's how Jesus died. The Jews had to manipulate Rome in order to get what they wanted for Jesus to be crucified. So if that's the case, then what's the solution? Well, you tell it to the ecclesia. You go straight to them. And there's no mention of elders. There's no mention of pastors. There's no mention of pastoral staff. There's no mention of overseers. You just take it to the ecclesia. That would be a good way to do it. I mean, I think that's a possibility. Sure, it's speculative, but I think it's a possibility. I think the other... uh, option is is Jesus saying, well, wait about a year, year and a half, you know, however long this is before the cross that he's speaking this here in Matthew 18. Wait a year, and in about a year, uh, after I'm dead, you'll be able to go to the church, to the body of Christ, and get this taken care of. I don't think he's saying that. I don't think he's saying wait a year, 
and then do this. I think he's giving them a solution, a workaround in the interim. That's my personal opinion. And I didn't really bring this up last time because I think the episode was going a little bit longer than I like. I don't like him to get really long because I feel like I lose you and I kind of lose myself as well. But what we didn't talk about in that episode was uh, formal church membership, you know, church membership contracts. Church membership contracts, all of them that I've seen, now maybe you've seen some that don't, I don't know, but all of them that I've seen or that I've helped draft or that I've been a part of, you know, as a pastor or whatever, Every church membership contract, formal membership contract that I've seen and been a part of uses church discipline as a last resort tool of fear and manipulation and intimidation to produce conformity to the established rules that are spelled out in the formal church membership accountability contract. That's a mouthful. But think about this. Church discipline is always used as a tool of fear. Remember our Deuteronomy passage here? Let me read this to you again. I got my Bible open right here. In verse 20, it says, The rest of the people will hear of this and be afraid, and never again will such an evil thing be done among you. Show no pity, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. That seems to be what we do with our uh, formal church membership contracts, which really are just an accountability contract. I mean, let's be honest, that's what it is. You're already a member of the body of Christ. That was done supernaturally when you believed. That had nothing to do with anything you signed or anything else. But we have this formal church membership layer that we like to put in place, and there's always this threat of being kicked out if you don't conform to the rules. In other words, it's a motivation by fear. It's a motivation by intimidation, that you need to conform to whatever the set of rules is that you just signed, you know, in that accountability contract, that you're going to do this, you're going to give, you're going to support this, you're going to be there on this day, you know, whatever it is. That whole list of, of stuff that you signed can then be used against you, and at the end of that list somewhere, or in that list somewhere, there's going to be the threat of excommunication. If you fail to uphold your end of the contract, then we're going to kick you out, is basically what it is. And so we use Matthew 18 again as a proof text for that, and we say, well, this is what Jesus meant, and so we're going to be faithful to do this. And I understand that this can be, uh, you know, kind of come from a place of sincerity, but I think it's sincerely wrong. I don't think Matthew 18 is giving us any kind of a directive for some kind of church discipline thing where we're going to kick somebody out when they've uh, crossed a line, whatever that arbitrary line might be that we've set for them. I don't think that Matthew 18 is a proof text for that. And again, I talked about that in the last episode again, so you might want to review that as well. When we look into the New Covenant passages like we did last week, you know, with with the, the, the guy in Corinth who was uh, having a, a relationship, it looked like, with his stepmom, and Paul had mentioned that, wow, you know, this kind of stuff doesn't even happen among the pagans. Paul didn't go through this process. He didn't say, well, now remember Matthew 18, and let's, let's run through this one more time, and let's make sure that we follow this. He didn't do that. He went right to the source, and, you know, he said, I want to turn this, this guy over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. And I'm like, whoa, dude, I mean, how do you do that? I mean, that would have been nice to know. Uh, you know, I don't know how to do that. And so, you know, it seems to me to be a little bit stronger than Matthew 18. Uh, may, maybe I'm wrong. But the whole goal was restoration, and of course we know that this, this guy, you know, whatever he was doing and whoever he was, I don't know what happened exactly, I don't know any of the details, but he was restored to the assembly, he was restored to the ecclesia. But it wasn't Matthew 18 that did it. Matthew 18 was never involved in it, because again, I think Matthew 18 was not written to us in the New Covenant. I think Matthew 18 was written to a bunch of Old Covenant Jews, and that Old Covenant is obsolete, it's gone, it's kaput. The law of that covenant is just as kaput 
as a believer, I've died to the law. I've been raised to newness of life. And that seems to be more to the point. You know, we talked about in Third John with, with Diotrephes, who was actually putting people outside the assembly. He was kicking people out. And John said, wait a second, this isn't good. We need to talk about this. And when I get there, we're going to talk about it. You know, that was in Third John. And again, that was uh, last week's episode as well. But here's the rub. I think, you know, God has supplied shepherds to the assembly. He has supplied overseers to the assembly. He has supplied elders to the assembly. These are all the same group of people, I believe, in the New Testament. And they're there for the purpose of protecting the body of Christ from harmful situations like this. And I think that's what we see being exercised, even with, with Paul and the guy in Corinth. And, you know, I think of Paul in Acts 20, was it Acts 20 or Acts 21? You know, where he's meeting on the shore with the Ephesian elders, you know, he called the shepherds out there. He called them out there and said, there's going to be people come in from your own midst that are going to attempt to rip this thing apart. And so be alert, be watchful of that, be mindful of that. Protect the assembly, protect the body of Christ, not in a top-down authority, authoritative way. We don't see that in Scripture. We don't see that in the New Testament. But we do see a, a gift of leadership, uh, for sure, First Corinthians 12, a gift of leadership that is there that's in place. And the qualifications for someone who desires the role of shepherd or elder or overseer, again, three words to describe the same thing. The reason those qualifications are there in place is to make sure that we're getting people of character and they're of known character. But that's a discussion for another podcast episode, I'm sure. I just wanted to wrap up what I felt like were a couple of loose ends from last week, and I wanted to talk again about you know, Deuteronomy 19.15, am I supposed to obey that? I don't think so. I wanted to talk to you about, you know, none of us follows this process in Matthew 18. We just, we can't because the systems we're in won't allow us to. We have to first go to the leadership and then they take over. And then, you know, there can be months and months. And then, you know, before the, the church, you know, the body of Christ is made aware of it, we didn't make anybody aware of it. They did. And, you know, if we're worried about obeying Matthew 15 verbatim and, you know, going down this whole process, None of us can do that because the systems, the systems that we're in uh, won't allow us to do that. And it seems to me that Jesus was giving a more immediate answer here to a problem that had arisen or to a question that had been raised. How do I do this in light of Roman rule? And it seems like Jesus may have been explaining that, at least to some extent. And then our church membership contracts, you know, Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no, didn't he? He said, anything more than that becomes evil. And so, you know, I don't sign contracts like this anymore. And to give you a little bit more background on that, I'll put a link in this episode, if I remember, I'll put a link in this episode to my podcast on rethinking uh, formal church membership, as well as the paper that I wrote on that back when I used to still write on rethinking uh, formal church membership. So I'll have those two links in the show notes on this episode, so you can just click on those and go. So that's what I wanted to talk to you about in this episode. I didn't want to leave any loose ends hanging. And right now, this is kind of where I'm at with this. This is what I'm thinking. And like I said, last episode, I've been thinking about it for a couple of years. So it isn't something whimsical that I just threw together. So that's it for now. I will let you go. And I appreciate you joining me again. And until next time, bye. Thank you for joining us on the Unsunday Show. To be a part of this ongoing conversation, visit us online at unsunday.com. <laughs>